0: The Start on Demand. demand. Good morning, it's The Start. Mackling and McNabb with you, McGarry, returns next Monday. And, Loren, it's sort of a carbon copy of yesterday morning. Looks like pea soup outside our window here, 30 floors above Portage and Main at 201 Portage. And uh, as smoky as I have seen it in the last several
1: days, It's quite something. And you know, I was out actually golfing last night uh, for ladies' night and joked with them that by this morning I would sound like I had been smoking all night because I was outdoors for, you know, three hours and I could not get over that smoke and the haze and the way it settled over the sun. And now this morning, though, when I woke up, Greg, I could hear that faint sound of water and I was like, is it raining? And sure enough, it's drizzling where I am. And so it's just this weird combination. I think soup. Soup is the right word for it, but boy, I don't know. I cannot recall the last time we had smoke linger like this, where if you had the windows open, which we did yesterday just to um, get some breeze moving through the house, well, then it, the house smelled like smoke, like you kept thinking there's a fire close by. I, I don't, I cannot remember the last time we had this lingering effect. I know people out west are maybe a bit more used to it. I have family in Alberta and they'll say, oh, there are some days that th- it feels like some summers the whole week or month might feel like it's been ruined by that smoke but this is really lingering and uh, now we've got fires of our own to be really concerned about here in manitoba uh, with the uh, social media reports of different evacuations of some first nations and working to get the red cross later on today because of bringing people out of those communities and so the threat is real and it's creating a mixed bag out there for all of
0: us. Yeah, so that fire area four, as they call it, the east side of Lake Winnipeg, is uh, really in a little bit of trouble right now. So as Loren mentioned, we will try and find out, get some confirmation of who's on the move, who can come, who can go, and and who needs to be on standby, as you're hearing from Jeff Braun, permanent residents of certain parts of Manitoba right now required to be able to leave on an hour's notice. So that's frightening. And so as we process the smell of smoke, in our homes I had that smell of smoke uh, yesterday afternoon and straight through to this morning I was out watering my flowers trying to save the ones in my front yard I don't know I think I'm just about ready to give up the ghost on those ones Loren but it was like the fire was a block away and it you could assimilate it or liken it to fog that we get at different times of the year. Uh, but it is is as thick as I have ever seen it, as I said off the top. And you mentioned the pitter-patter of water drops on your roof. Well, Ray from Toulon is on his way into the city. And at 5.42 this morning, he pulled over to send us a video on our text line, 204-780-6868. He's just north of the perimeter at Stony Mountain. And it is pouring rain on Highway 8. So how about that? Some relief uh, for uh, many of our farmer folks and our our our, our friends who are uh, just absolutely dying for rain. So the last three days have answered some of those prayers.
1: Yeah. I was even on the golf course just thinking, how does some of these businesses that just, when you're just so reliant to mother nature and of course you mentioned the farmers and then i talk about the golf courses like different people where you have you need the rain or you need less rain depending on the year and not not to make light of it because my livelihood does not count on the rain but i'm about ready to just give up on flowers period i decided last night i might not do flowers ever again <laughs> which i love <laughs> oh come but it's on. like keeping them alive this year has been just i don't i am i feel like i just do not have that green thumb All all it takes is water and sunshine, and if you have access to water, which I do shouldn't be hard, Greg, but yeah,
0: well, apparently you know what? it is. It is. It's very hard and depending on how your flowers sit and how much sun and heat that they're sitting in, I've got some baskets that are doing okay and my backyard flowers are doing way better than my front yard. We have a south-facing yard, so uh, I've got uh, two in particular that are really pretty much done. Another one that's halfway there. Anyway, uh, your uh, flower and gardening experiences, I know Hal had this conversation yesterday in the afternoon. Some people are managing to keep their gardens flourishing. In fact, they're using mulch to hold on to that precious moisture and different strategies that they have to keep their garden and their flowers uh, really thriving. So uh, feel free to share those with us as well. We're going to talk animals uh, again. I had a fox in my front yard last night and I'll, I'll, we'll let you know how that might turn into pizza for you. But Uh, In our next segment, really quick before we break here, Loren, a story that some people are going to ask, why are we even telling it?
1: Yeah, but this is a really big story. So we're going to play you some audio from Alberta-born Nashville Predators prospect, uh, the first NHL player under contract to come out as gay. And the reason why we're talking about it is that that's where we're still at, saying those firsts, right? The first ever this. We talked last month, Greg, about the first ever NFL player under contract, same sort of situation, like active player uh, in that case, to come out and what it means in those leagues and in those circles uh, to have someone come out and Uh, talk about what it means to be who they are and be openly gay and so we're going to play some audio from luke and uh, then later in the show we're going to talk to the folks from the great organization you can play just about what it does mean it is important these first because they're still first greg we have to keep talking about them and so that they they become something that we no longer have to say first ever anymore
0: yeah i agree with you a hundred percent it's Mackling and McNabb on this Tuesday morning. McGarry returns next Monday. And uh, we were already planning to have this discussion this morning, Loren, based on a video that is circulating on social media. It, it was released back in early July, but it continues to inspire and, and go viral, as they say. And essentially, it's a video of a couple. Their names are uh, Tanya and and Jorge. They raised a chimpanzee named Libani at the Zoological Wildlife Foundation in Miami, Florida. They were uh, Labani's caregivers for months when he was uh, a, a baby. And they only get to see Limbani every once in a while. And this chimpanzee chimpanzee goes absolutely crazy whenever he sees Tanya and George. It's so inspiring. It's only about 30 seconds of video. But this chimpanzee chimpanzee just loves Tanya and Jorge. So I wanted to talk about if you could have any kind of animal at all, what would it be as a pet? And then last night to put a little bit of uh, cherry on the top, We had a fox in our front yard, and uh, our house went absolutely ballistic, including uh, Whiskey, our dog, who already looks like a fox, ironically enough. So, Loren McNabb is here, Jeff Braun, Jeffrey Forchain, Cam Poitras. Cam, let's start with you. What kind of animal would you have? No rules, no regulations, no logic involved. Just why would you want to have... What, as a pet? Well, I had so much to choose from. I could have an ostrich, I could have a Triceratops rex, I could have a liger, you know, bred for its skills and magic, which is pretty much my favorite animal. But, you know, I gotta go with this. I got you a present. Really? Open the tank.
2: Open the
3: tank! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know where this is going. Are those sharks with laser beams attached to their really? hands? cool you mean i actually have freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads
0: yeah that says it all
3: (laughs) yeah what are you
0: doing with these what's what's the maniacal plan plan here here? what's the practicality just have them in a tank (laughs) freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking love it lasers what about you Forche? Okay, I, can't, I can't compete with that. I was going to say a monkey.
4: Like, I wanted to get uh, a monkey like uh, Homer Simpson. He got his uh, helper monkey mojo, and then uh, that just... <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the monkey turned so fat and couldn't do anything after. was no longer a help, helping monkey. But, uh, yeah, having a monkey around would be awesome. You know, he'd go grab me a beer, or he'd be my best friend. We'd be hanging on the couch. <laughs>
0: BJ and the bear. I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember that TV show. Greg Evigan was a, was a guy who drove truck all around the United States with his best buddy, a chimpanzee named Bear. What about you, Jeff Braun?
4: Uh, Cam actually mentioned mine. I was going to go with the Tyrannosaurus Rex as long as there's no rules involved. I mean, if we're going to live in a world where there's uh, sharks with laser beams on their freaking heads, and are, I might as well try way. and get the meanest predator the planet's ever seen and get that T-Rex on my side. That's. So
1: that. <laughs> Ron, you know how get that script goes.
4: <laughs> yeah. You know how that's going to go.
1: He'll be dead in like two days. No, He'll he try can, to train it. you will bring in a Velociraptor or something, and you're done. No, he controls the Tyrannosaurus Rex. He's got like a,
0: a machine controlling his brain.
4: I'm just a good trainer. I just, animals love me, so I'm, I'm <laughs> not afraid of the T-Rex. He'll it'll, it'll be good to go.
0: What, what experience do you have <laughs> in training any animal, let alone a T-Rex, Bron?
4: I don't know. Well, it's a, uh, I mean... It's got to be able to be done at some point.
0: I could see a hamster turning on you. What about you, McNabb?
1: (laughs) Well, if we can't say minions, is minions now allowed in this ridiculous conversation? I would take one of those cute yellow helper helper minions, but that's not a real animal. And so I think I'd have to go with something like uh, cute and cuddly, like maybe a panda Or I always love a giraffe if I can have the space for it. I like the way they walk, like that loping, long walk. I find that very soothing. I feel like if I had a huge space, I would just watch the giraffe walk around all day long.
0: I like that somebody That's else a is. That's a practical answer. The That's
1: the most practical answer of this entire group, That's and okay. it's a large animal. Thank well, you thank you
0: goodness that there's some practicality in this group, because for the m- most part, it <laughs> <What> really goes <laughs> sideways whenever we, we have these discussions. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was a great answer, and our <laughs> listeners are digging your answer, Cam. Do not get me wrong in any way, shape, or form. Kristen, who has a lot of access to a lot of different animals, we won't say why on the air, but I think if you've listened over the years you know why if i could have any animal besides the ones i already do i would have some emus because they enjoy snuggles they are playfully hilarious and they are pretty much just perfect and one of our listeners has actually picked the one i would pick a decented skunk they are absolutely because they're adorable
1: there's two listeners that have written in about skunks this is fascinating they are
0: super cute and uh I was talking to Gabrielle Marchand about this yesterday on my way out of the building. We, we we decided that otters and raccoons and any animal that has hands that can do stuff like human beings are and beady little eyes are are surprisingly adorable. So if you want that, But... But if you what? Take the stink sa- if you take the
4: stink sack out of that skunk, it'll be no match for my T-Rex at all. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> <laughs> that was its only
0: defense. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Thanks, friends. We'll press pause on this if you want to get in on the conversation. These guys can't win the $20 gift card from Santa Lucia, but you can, two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. 6868 Which animal would you have and Why? Tuesday morning, smoke-filled skies in southern Manitoba. We're working to learn how those affected by the fires. It's one thing to be affected by the smoke, Loren, Mm -hmm. but you have to understand there are people who live very, very close to the fires that are creating this smoke situation. We're working to find out how they're being affected here in Manitoba.
1: Yeah, Red Cross, the Canadian Red Cross, of course, is a key partner in bringing... People who are in the path of a fire to safety or out of the fire's path to safety. And so we know that's the situation in some northern and and remote communities. The Red Cross will join us in about an hour's time uh, to explain where those evacuations are happening, who they're helping. And, man, I think it's safe to say this is shaping up to be a pretty busy season based on how dry it is out there.
0: We start this hour August 9th, that's the date Canada is set to begin allowing fully vaccinated American citizens and permanent residents living in the U.S. into Canada.
1: Yeah, so they can come here in about two and a half weeks' time, three weeks' time. But what isn't clear is the date for when Canadians might be considered to go south. Right now, the White House says it's still assessing the situation and decisions are being guided by public health officials uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that announcement should not be seen as a reciprocal agreement. We uh, take this incredibly seriously, but we look uh, and are guided by our own medical experts, and not in a we're not. Uh, I wouldn't uh, look at it through a reciprocal uh, intention. So of course that means uh, who knows, right? I, I don't know what to read into that because a date for a possible announcement on any changes hasn't been set, and so for the ban on non-essential travel at U.S. land border crossings. Right now, it remains in effect. Tim Mahoney is the mayor of Fargo, North Dakota, which, of course, Greg, is a popular destination for many Manitobans, and he's our guest this morning. Hi, Tim.
5: Hi, good morning.
1: I know you've been asking the same question we're now asking for weeks, if not months now. So what do you say to the news, first of all, that you're welcome here if you're fully vaccinated, but we still don't know when fully vaccinated Canadians can come to your country?
5: I hope, seriously, they'll look at reciprocal agreement because there's no sense not to have it. In fact, I think Canadians did better with the COVID than we did many parts of the United States. So we'd look very much forward to have you have the ban come off and come on down. Of
0: course, the ban uh, lifting on this side of the border, Mayor, uh, includes the 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 fact that if you want to come to Canada... You have to be double vaccinated. How is that going in in your part of the United States and North Dakota?
5: We're getting about a 50 60% compliance on our vaccine right now. And uh, I think anybody who wants to travel is getting vaccinated. So I think we'll have good compliance with that. And I think a lot of people have been anxious to go up to Canada for a variety of reasons. Uh, and shopping, tourists, and different things we love to do. We go up to fish in Canada as well. So we're very excited about that band coming off, and I think we've been great trade partners. I want you all to look at uh, Fargo now because we've done a lot of different things downtown. We've got some growth. We've got a great water park type thing, and we've got a square, a new hotel. So there's some things that we think will be more exciting for people to see what's happening in our community. So we're very much looking forward to easy travel between the two, the United States and Canada.
1: What percentage do you know mr mahoney and again for our listeners we're speaking to the mayor of fargo uh mr mayor like what what how reliant is your community on the canadian travel we've talked often about that in the past you you go down there and there's all sorts of sometimes you'll see canadian flags in the yards and the welcoming signs for canadians because there's so many people who do travel back and forth so what sort of loss has this last year been to not have access to uh canadians coming to your city
5: we think we lose in trade 5 to 10% because we do have a lot of Canadians come down, do a lot of shopping, and do different things in our community. So we uh, very much feel that, yeah, it really would help us uh, push it a little bit more And as of as uh, sales tax and different things that we rely on out of that trade. The other thing is in construction right now, lumber is unbelievable. So if we could get some of that good Canadian lumber down here, it would help me with my building trades because we're building like crazy. Everybody's building homes with low interest rates. And I think uh, that's going to be pivotal in our community, at least, that, boy, it would be sure nice to have that Canadian lumber going in our houses.
0: Well, uh, I hate to break it to you, Mayor Mahoney, but a two-by-four, eight-foot, costs about 12 bucks. (laughs) Canadian in Winnipeg right now so that cheap lumber is very difficult to find. In fact, I would suggest it's non-existent. Speaking of building a lot of people in Grand Forks consider Columbia Mall the the mall that Canada or Canadians and Manitobans built and you just outlined what you think uh, Fargo depends on in terms of Canadian tourism but Fargo has really, really grown as a community as the North Dakota economy has grown for those that maybe haven't been to Fargo in the last several years, maybe just get, walk us through. You said you talked about some of the things that that you have downtown and some of the changes, but but Fargo is really a a changed community in the last uh, decade, decade and a half, isn't it?
5: Yeah, we've had the highest growth in the Midwest for the last ten years, so we're up to about two hundred thirty five thousand in our metro area, and it's not only downtown Fargo's changed, but uh, Veterans Boulevard is a huge part of shops and bars and group pubs and those types of things. So we feel that our selection, or opportunity for people to look at a variety of different areas of entertainment will find a totally changed community. And we have uh, young families, so we have to find things for them to do. So our uh, arts and our culture type things that have grown a bit, not to the extent Winnipeg has, but we really feel that we've made some great gains in the community for people to find things to do, not just shop, but to entertain themselves as well.
1: Well, I know Canadians are looking forward to get back to get back down there, but of course there's the questions about how many people are getting vaccinated, and of course we know the variants of a big concern. So in your conversations with the governor's office, and then in their conversations, of course, with Washington, do you have any sense of what the holdup is here on when we might know when this reciprocal action might take place?
5: We find sometimes the CDC is very conservative in what their goals are, but Uh, We do an unusual thing here, is we check our wastewater for COVID virus. And when you test the wastewater, you almost get an idea of what the incidence is in the population. And our incidence is 1% to 2% at best. So we really feel uh, confident that if you're in the community, you have very little chance of catching the virus at the present time. Delta has been here, but not in big numbers. So we're we're very comfortable. People are moving around, no masks, and feel very comfortable. Uh, Our rates have gone down. Our hospitalizations have gone down. So we feel very safe at the present time.
0: Mayor Tim Mahoney, Mayor of Fargo, North Dakota, we appreciate the time very much and look forward to uh, seeing and visiting your community in the near future. Thanks for this.
5: You're very welcome. I'm looking forward to coming up there as well. I know your Mayor Bowman in uh, Winnipeg, would like to see him about a variety of different issues because he and I share notes, so thank you very much.
0: Well, if you make your way up to Winnipeg, we'd love to host you here at CJOB. All the best. It's Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. About 22 hours ago, single game tickets went on sale for all Winnipeg Blue Bomber home games. The defending Grey Cup champions kick off the 2021 CFL season versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. August 5th at IG Field. Are there any tickets left? Can Blue Bomber fans from across the country come to the game? All sorts of questions this morning, Loren.
1: Yeah, and we have plenty to discuss with the man Hal Anderson actually calls the big boss, Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club, our guest this morning. How's it going, Wade?
6: I'm excellent. How are you guys?
1: We're well, and I'm pleased to hear just how excited Winnipegers and Manitobans are for this game. So the obvious question, any seats left for August 5th?
6: Uh, there's seats left, but they're going quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday when they went on sale to the uh, to f- uh, fans for single-game tickets, sold a 1,010 minutes. So uh, it was uh, a great start to, to that. The season ticket members had an on sale last week up until Monday, and then uh, single-game tickets went on sale yesterday, and you can still buy them for the August 5th game and all the other games in August, the Banjo Bowl as well. So tickets are going really well so far, and uh, – there's a there's a buzz for sure
0: yeah no so. qu- no question there's a buzz you see it on social media whenever I get together with friends and that's been limited numbers but everybody is talking about that first game and the banjo Bowl I would say and I know Wade you don't typically comment on numbers but based on what's on the on the ticketmaster website and the map, uh, the banjo Bowl and the season opener are in similar situations in terms of a limited number of tickets left fair to say.
6: Uh, fair to say we also are <clears throat> holding back some right now uh, because we do still have a, a ton of people interested in season ticket members and flex packs. So we'll open more tickets up as we get closer to the game. But, you know, the demand for season tickets this year and flex packs are uh, uh, tremendous as well. So so we do uh, reserving some of those for the fans that decide they want to be a season ticket member for this year or or take a different uh, ticket plan as well. So, uh it's just great um, i mean our you know fan service team has been waiting for this for 17 months 15 months and you know, all their hard work is now paying off and uh you know the august 5th is going to be special in this province
1: well we don't have to tell you just how um big of a fan base there is right across this country we talked to a fan last week who drives to every home game from saskatchewan four hours each way yeah. and of course she was wondering will she be able to go to the game <laughs> so what's the word for of province fans
6: uh, as, of, uh, as of right now, you're, uh, you're going to be able to come. That uh, We were able to get that uh, looked after and, and worked with the province yesterday. Um, and, and we knew we would figure that out, and uh, it takes time sometimes to get there. So as long as you come from another province and you show your provincial uh, immunization records so that you know you're vaccinated and plus 14 days, then you'll be able to enter the stadium and we'll have that set up. Uh, special uh, tents at each uh, gate uh, for fans that are from out of town that are not able to have that Manitoba immunization QR code when you come to the gates. And, you know, again, and I'm going to say this, and hopefully I know you guys will as well, you have to come early to the games because uh, we're having to scan those Manitoba immunization QR codes in your ID. Um, so it will take extra time at the gates to do that. Um, we're going to open the gates 90 minutes before the kickoff and have a pre-game party at IG. Uh, So come early and there'll be a lot of specials and activities in the, in the stadium um, prior to kickoff.
0: We're having listeners asking about transportation plan. Of course, The Southwest Transit Corridor is now complete. The first time that will be uh, a factual situation for you, Wade. So is that going to change, A, how people perceive the trip to the stadium, and will it change the transportation plan overall and the availability of buses and other ways for folks to get to the stadium?
6: Yeah, we're actually uh, really excited about that uh, Rapid Transit uh, Corridor now. Uh, It'll be the first time we're using that for large events at IG Field. And so we'll have our normal park and rides, the Bomber park and rides which we've run, and then the adjustment will come that the Grant Park park and ride uh, will now be ran by Transit park and ride, which I, not, I don't want to get confused people. But the Seal and Clarence park and ride, Winnipeg Transit park and ride stations, is where you'll go now. You pay your regular bus fare, uh, round you know there when you get picked up and dropped off. Um, so, and you'll, and it's a straight shot to the stadium. So it's going to be really quick for those fans, uh, in Southwest, uh, part of the city to, to get to the stadium in and out. So on the big buses of Winnipeg transit and, and excited by that for sure.
1: Way I know this is. there's so many things to deal with it for fans and the off-field operations, but of course on the field, we, it's been so great to hear the sounds of practice from the players via Bob Irving, and I know the heat has posed some challenge over the past few days, few weeks, and now I understand the smoke might be causing some issues. Do you know anything more about um, bombers in the practice and how the smoke might be impacting things this week?
6: Yeah, so we uh, today will take practice off just because of the air quality for our players, uh, so we will take uh, today off. Um, and they've been working hard. So uh, we'll take uh, take a break today and uh, and uh, then hopefully get back at it tomorrow as long as the air quality is better.
0: Forgive me for trying to get uh, three scoops and in one interview here, Wade. Banner-raising, people want to know, <laughs> is that happening August 5th? I mean, you've been really giving this morning of information we didn't have already, yeah. so how about one more?
6: No, stay tuned. So. <laughs> We got, we got you, too you, far, Greg. We've gone too lim- far. You're at your limit, Greg. I can't. <laughs> all right. You're at your limit for one day.
0: Do you blame me for trying, Wade?
6: No, no, not at all. You would be all,
0: disappointed so. in me if I didn't ask, correct?
6: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I also heard "It's a Long Way to the Top" by AC/DC playing. I play that every Friday morning in my office, so that that song should be always tied with the CGOB Blue Bomber segment. That well, it's a long way go. to the top. Yeah. Wait. So. Do you
1: play them, or you actually are on your own guitar, just jamming in your office to get the day going?
6: I can assure you that has never <laughs> happened. Uh, and I have no musical, uh, ability at all. So I can assure you of that Lorraine. There's no wow. chance there.
1: Wow. I was liking so. the image of you just kind of cruising around playing the guitar, but fine. I can accept it from the, uh, from ACDC instead.
6: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, uh, August 5th is shaping up and then the week after as well, the Friday game, uh, the week after is going to be a great, great night out too. So, and then, uh, the third game in August will be our family game, which we'll announce later, and uh, got some special things planned for that family game. So it's it's uh, it's been a great uh, last uh, five or six days here. So
0: can hear it in your voice, Wade. Thanks for hanging with us for a few minutes. Thanks for the inside information. And uh, I daren't hear uh, the banner raising news on any other program on CJOB. Or there's going to be some issues. All right? <laughs> or
6: oh, oh, are you and I going to have to talk if that happens? We'll have to talk. And this time, it'll be
0: me initiating the talk, not the way it usually is.
6: (laughs) Okay, have a great day, guys. (laughs) Thanks,
0: partner. Wade Miller, the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club. Your text message is coming. We want to know about your difficulties with the smoke. Is it affecting your ability to, to stay cool? Fortunately, it's a little bit cooler today. It would be great to have all your windows open and usher in some quote-unquote fresh air, but fresh air is in sort short supply around Manitoba. We're, we've been telling you about that all morning long. And, Loren, our text message machine is uh, live and well with Pictures of our listeners sending us their worst of flooring, 204-780-6868, including one listener who sent us a picture and this explanation, I have the ugliest carpet from 1986, three different shades in the house, a worn out gray, a slime green, and this pretty pink carpet in the master bedroom. Please enter me in the flooring draw. I suggested it looked like Neapolitan ice cream.
1: Yeah, I wondered if there was just some sort of issue with it fading in different sections, but it it came like that. So there you go. You know, the 80s, the 70s, they were interesting times.
0: Keep them coming. We love to hear from you. But this half hour, we do have to shift gears a little bit as immigration officials say they're working on a plan to help dozens of Afghans who are facing Taliban arrest or worst for having worked with Canada. But it's not clear when that plan will become reality. So pressure
1: is growing to help many of these former interpreters. There was translators over there, cultural advisors, all local Afghans who worked with our military, worked alongside the Canadian military during that war in Afghanistan. And this pressure is mounting because people want to get the people that helped our soldiers, helped our country over there, get out of Afghanistan. We've heard from several Canadian veterans who say the risk of torture or death that their former colleagues face is growing daily because the Taliban has now regained control over several parts of that country including where the Canadians were focused which is the southern province of Kandahar that is where Captain Nicola Goddard was working before she was killed in 2006. She was the first female Canadian soldier to die in action and in the years since that tremendous loss for her family in our country well their family has worked hard to make sure both her name and Canada's role in Afghanistan are not forgotten, Greg.
0: Kate Rusk is Captain Goddard's youngest sister and joins us now. Good morning, Kate.
2: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's our honour, our pleasure. Before we get into the awareness that you're trying to bring to this incredibly important issue, please tell us about your sister and, and what drew her to service? What drew her to the military?
2: I think, Nick, I... Um, Nick wanted to help people, and I think that was a driving—I think that was a driving factor in why she ended up uh, joining the armed forces. My folks are in education, and there's a lot of public service in the family, and I think for her that was another way to another way to give back and another way to help out. Um, and so she so she went for the armed forces and absolutely loved it. Um, loved being around and helping solve problems and being there for other people. and yeah, it's been uh, it's been really remarkable, I think, the last the last 15 years, the number of people who've come out and helped other people in her memory has just made has made me and my family just so touched the whole time.
1: It's good to hear that the images of Captain Goddard, your sister over there, there was always a big smile on her face with the work that she was doing. I know she took it very seriously and then the work to help, you know, girls go back to school because that wasn't allowed under the Taliban regime and all the sorts of different things in terms of helping that community, you know, whether it was water or building bridges or helping with crops, there was all sorts of different things Canadian soldiers did and the work it couldn't have been done without the interpreters or translators. Do you, do you think Canadians have a good sense? And maybe even you yourself, Kate, were you aware of just how crucial the role was for soldiers to have that kind of assistance from the local Afghans who worked alongside with them?
2: I think as much as anybody who who frankly hasn't served and hasn't been, uh, hasn't been there, I very much appreciate that you can't go into another country with a different culture and a different language and a different... It's a completely different geography and everything else. Without some sort of link to a community, any nation that you build, any community that you create isn't going to be sustainable if it's just imposing top down. You need people who believe in believe in the message, who believe in what you're doing, and who are willing to take risks for that. And I think the interpreters, as well as the other staff who were who were assisting the Canadians in Afghanistan, really did believe that. We could make a difference, and that kind of Canada had a message that was worth fighting for. Like this idea of safety and freedom and equality and human rights was something that was worth something that was worth fighting for and working with us for. And unfortunately, because they believed in us and they believed in that message, their lives are in danger right now, as are their families.
0: Kate, when we traveled simply as tourists, it's impossible. Not to, in my mind, if you're if you if you're doing it correctly, fall in love with the people that you visit, whether it be in a different province or halfway across the world. So when you think about your sister embedded with those people, they become a big part of your life. So many Afghans were integral in, in helping our soldier, soldiers. And now we're seeing the Taliban flag being raised at a variety of different government facilities throughout Afghanistan. Those locals, the translators and advisors are now at risk. What do you think Canada should be doing to help out here?
2: I think we, frankly, already should have gotten them out. We've known that this is going to happen for months. This isn't a surprise. And we know that the Taliban are deliberately targeting and killing the civilians who worked with Canada and with our allies, as well as their families. And they're in immediate danger right now and time is running out. And I think we've put our veterans in a position where they're individually trying to save their friends and their colleagues and their teammates by helping coordinate logistics and sending their own savings over to help people get to safety while they wait for the Canadian government to do something. And I think, I think that's unconscionable
1: what do you think your sister would have to say about this right now given you mentioned just a few minutes ago her desire her whole role her goal in life when joining the military was to help people and she did that with the help of afghans and and they helped us and now and we should be helping them i think most people would agree to that what do you think her thoughts would be now as we wait to try to bring many of these people to canada and it doesn't i'm not sure if we're feeling that urgency
2: as we should I think I probably couldn't repeat some of it on public radio. (laughs) But no, I think that... I think that, frankly, Nick's perspective on helping her team and on not leaving people behind is reflected in the incredibly hard work that our veterans and the people at the Afghan uh, Interpreter Group in Canada have been doing for years now, trying to bring people over and trying to make sure that they're safe. Um, I, I don't think it's just Nick, and I don't think it's—I don't think she was an outlier in how much she cared about the people she worked with and her teammates. I think everyone who was who was serving in Afghanistan um, cared about cared about the people they were working with.
0: Kate, I think it's uh, for some of us impossible to mind our words, to be polite in a situation like this. So I commend you for doing that uh, while you join us today, because I think it's ludicrous that this hasn't been, you mentioned it, why wasn't this done already? Why are we considering this in the aftermath of America's withdrawal from Afghanistan? This should have been part of the plan, part and parcel for years, years and years. We, We had almost... 20 years to consider what things would look like when we eventually left.
2: Yeah, and I think it's wonderful. So the the government has said they're working on a plan to help the interpreters. Um, And, I mean, that's great, but I don't think it's sufficient. It doesn't say we don't know who's going to be eligible. We don't know when anything is going to happen. And we don't know about families. And we don't know whether or not it's only going to be interpreters or if it's going to be the other folks who also helped us. We we don't know if it's also going to include the drivers and the clerks and the cultural advisors and everyone else who helped us. And I'm really concerned that if we say it is only interpreters, then we are saying that we will only save you if you can breed. Mm. And we're only going to save you because you have a university education. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the interpreters – had that role because they were educated, had very good English, and could help out, and that's incredibly important. But I, I am concerned that we are saying that that means you matter more, and I don't. I don't think Canadians think that.
1: What would you like Canadians to do now? What's your message to them as they hear this story? And I I think and as you're speaking, all these images are flashing through my mind, even just of my brief time there of drivers who took us places, people who helped us better understand the culture, who might guide us in the right direction, people who generally kept so many uh, soldiers, helped keep them safe, not just you know translating but it was it's safety at the end of the day for our soldiers and so now we have a role to keep them safe what do you want canadians to do kate now hearing this is it call their mp is it call write an email MP. or
2: yeah call your mp write an email if you don't want to call but ideally call because this this is urgent this is happening right now we have a very limited time to do something and to make a difference and we need the government to act on it And people are trying, people are doing their best to individually move these civilians into somewhere safe. But it's, it's only going to work until we can get them out. And we need our MPs and we need our government to do that and to act.
0: Captain Nicola Goddard was the first female Canadian soldier to die in action in Afghanistan in 2006. We've been visiting with her sister, Kate Rusk. Kate, it's clear to me that uh, you're not the only member of the Goddard family called to serve our country and to su- serve humanity. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Mackling and McNabb with you on a Tuesday morning. Brett McGarry returns on Monday. Brett, I see you active on Twitter. Go enjoy your day as best as you can. I know lots of you are suffering with this smoke. It's affecting your ability to breathe. It's affecting your ability to cool down your home. And, Loren, that's where we're going to start this hour, just this idea that it's difficult to keep your home cool if you haven't got air conditioning, if you haven't got access to the right technology, maybe as basic as a fan, Uh, You are suffering through this heat wave right now, and we see it time and time again, Winnipeg at its best. We are, yeah, we have our warts and our shortcomings, but for most of us, this next story embodies what we believe our city, our province to be.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, if there's one benefit of the smoke, and I'm going to just say this loosely, it's that it's sort of covering the sun. It's helping to cool things down a bit because it's so thick that it's, it's covering the sun basically like a thick, Fog or cloud, but there's so many other issues with that smoke. And so it's going to warm up again by the end of the week, Greg. And even at these temperatures, if you don't have air conditioning, it's really rough, right? Hot homes potentially make for shorter tempers, less sleep, more stress, and they can be downright dangerous depending on how heated you get.
0: No question about it. A group of Winnipegers stepping up to help their neighbors they are called the mutual aid society omar kinarath is a part of this group of outstanding manitobans we say good morning to omar how are you today omar
7: uh good morning greg we, yeah, i'm doing great
0: we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us but uh not as much as we appreciate what you're doing for your neighbors for your fellow Winnipegers, friends strangers helping them keep cool what are you doing
7: well, we've no- we noticed that uh, in our Facebook group, a mutual aid society, in the last few weeks, we've been getting a lot of requests for fans and air conditioners um, from a r- variety of people. Um, it's it's a, an insane amount of of need actually that that has come through. So what we decided to do was, um, you know, ask for donations of fans and ACs, um, and you know, the community has been providing it yesterday um an article came out in the free press kind of going over what what we were doing and and from then like oh my god like i'm i'm staring at just so many fans and acs right now this community has definitely uh, you know pulled together and realizes that you know something is coming we're we're you know it's going to be hot this weekend uh, and it's not only gonna be hot this weekend because of the effects of uh you know climate change and the climate emergency we're in this is not a one-off this is going to be happening for a long time and and we, we, we as a community, really have to kind of figure out where we go from here. Um, you know, for the winters and the summers, because there's there's going to be issues on both both ends.
1: So you said the need is insane. That's the word you use. So how how many calls did you get for help or what did you hear in terms of numbers of people just looking for this right now? Because I think there's some people that say, Oh, what's the big deal? You know, you can get AC, you can do this, you can go into a place to cool down, but it's not that simple and particularly for some of our more vulnerable Omar.
7: Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, elderly folks, um, you know, who can't get around or, or don't have transportation, can't can't do that. Folks with mobility issues or disabilities, they're not able to, you know, just go to the mall to cool down, right? So we have to take special care of these folks um, in the community. Uh, and a lot of that is lost on us, like, so, uh, you know, us able-bodied folks all the time. Oh, it's hot, out, oh, it's hot in the house. Oh, I'll just go outside or I'll go to, to the spray park or whatnot. For a lot of folks, that's not an option and they need to be be inside. Um, You know, even something as simple as as an oscillating fan like really, really helps uh, helps a lot of folks. So, I mean, you know, we have to start you know thinking about about things a little bit differently and, and knowing that you know, like for myself, I w- live in a house that that has central air. I'm pretty comfortable here. But there are, have been times in my life where I haven't had air conditioning and I haven't even had a fan and I haven't, you know, I was, was sweltering hot and I was going to my friend's house to cool down. So it's you know. It is it is a problem, and you know it's only, like the sad thing is it's only going to get worse. But the good thing is there's just there's just so many people out there willing to help, and you know we got to take this energy of this community that's willing to help um, to to kind of bring it to the institutional level. Like I said, with with the climate emergency, um, you know that that we're in right now and what's going to happen in the future, we really need to start thinking about like lobbying the gov- our governments and hydro because. Not only is, not only are people, you know, trying to get cool. What's going to happen in the next few months is bills are going to skyrocket, right? So, so we're gonna have, we're gonna run into another issue there you know in the next few months for sure.
0: Omar, we have to let you run, but I want to ask you a two-part question very quickly. First of all, how can people get involved and uh, donate if you have room for more fans, more air conditioners? Let us know how we can do that. And for you, what takes you what took you from somebody who was concerned about this to somebody who actually is doing something about it, what 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 is it in your life that that has you uh, active in the community this way?
7: Uh, well, uh, the first part of the question is if you do want to get involved, uh, if you do have Facebook, um, join Mutual Aid Society on Facebook. Just type in uh, MAS Winnipeg; it should come up. Um, if you you know if you don't, please send me an email at masywg at gmail um, with any of your concerns like if you have something to drop off we'll gladly you know send somebody to pick it up and take it to someone in need or you're able to drop it off with me and we'll we'll arrange the delivery and I guess what what drives me to do this is just I don't know I mean I've I've I I, like I love this city I love this community I've always been involved and this is this is just the way that my parents raised me to be you know what I mean? Like if, if someone's in need, if someone needs help, you just go out and help them. And you don't you know, you don't think so much about how you're trying to how you're trying to help more. Just like going there and, and asking people how they need to be helped. You know, that that goes a long way. And it's just, um, you know, I just want to I just want to make people comfortable and I just want to make this city better. And that's that's what drives me. And that's why I wake up in the morning.
0: MAS Mutual Aid Society on Facebook, masywg at gmail.com via email. Omar, thank you for this, and uh, thanks to everyone in your organization and everyone around you that's stepping up right now. It's stellar work, and we're, we're proud to celebrate you this morning. Thanks for being such a solid citizen on this front.
7: No problem. Thanks for the time, Greg.
0: Thanks once again to everyone who entered into our contest for the $20 Santa Lucia $20 gift certificate, as well as all the pictures of the horrible, the rotten, the disgusting, the mogi flooring in your home. $750 from total flooring up for grabs this Friday, next Friday, and for two Fridays After that, it's in celebration. Loren. I was informed yesterday, not of Total Flooring's 75th anniversary, our 75th (laughs) anniversary. So something got lost in translation along the way over the last week or so, but we've got that sorted out now. So send us your pictures and uh, check our Instagram story to find out who yesterday's qualifier is. Check out Facebook and you'll find the same information. And then on Friday, we will name a winner. Uh, tomorrow we have something interesting coming up with regard to downtown Winnipeg, Loren.
1: Yeah, they've been taking a survey, a snapshot, digging into just what is happening in our downtown when it comes to that return to work post COVID, and of course the impact that COVID has had on so many downtown businesses. They, you know, it's a, it's a technically it's a small space for Winnipeg in terms of the acreage or blocks that you might count but a big chunk of the economy and people who work in the city are downtown or at least they were and so we're going to speak to downtown biz Kate Fenske tomorrow morning about what that study has shown and and some of their questions and potentially concerns because you know it's they're still crunching the numbers but we know it's been a tough time and now we know that as people talk about returning to work and as we get out of this third wave will we See that return in many of our neighborhoods. Will people be going back to their offices, and or in my case, the studio, or, or what's the future of the workplace? So many questions to be asked and answered tomorrow morning.
0: And at the very same time as I asked you about this uh, news release, I've just retweeted it out. Tourism Winnipeg announcing that Winnipeg has made Times' World's Greatest Places list for 2021. As the border opens up. August 9th to American visitors and September 7th to the rest of the planet. This is pretty good timing. Our city continues, says Tourism Winnipeg, to solidify its global reputation as the cultural cradle of Canada. So congratulations to Winnipeg once again, in case you're just tuning in. Times Making Times World's Greatest Place list for 2021. We start our final half hour, though, with Luke Prokop, a recently drafted Edmonton-born hockey player who said he is no longer scared to hide, Loren, who he is.
1: Yeah, so Prokop announced on Twitter yesterday that he is gay, writing in a statement, While this year and a half has been crazy, it has also given me the chance to find my true self. Today, I am proud to publicly tell everyone that I am gay. Prokop told Oilers host Bob Stauffer on Global News Radio, 630 chad about an interaction he had had with brian
0: burke yeah that's uh brian burke longtime nhl executive and former broadcaster brian burke's son brendan played college hockey in the united states he quit hockey during high school why well because he was worried his teammates would would discover he was gay brendan was killed in a car crash tragically
8: in 2010 Um, well he actually he phoned me he was the first person uh, that phoned me when we kind of started the process of telling you know the people who we believe needed to know beforehand just so I had a kind of group around me that supported me and he was the first one to phone me and just wanted to congratulate me I had actually met Berkey beforehand when I was in Calgary and signed my contract down there and I met him and he had the uh, he had the undid tie around his neck and He had his hair slicked back and he didn't really remember that, so he kinda laughed a bit about that. And you know, he was he was really good. He just provided some kinda words of wisdom and you know, he understood what was going, you know, through my mind from a dad's perspective when he when he when Brendan came out to him and um you know, it, it was, it's just a really cool person to have as a contact now that if I ever need something, you know, I can always text Burke, and he'll be there for me.
0: We're trying to connect some dots for you here. You Can Play was founded by Patrick Burke, who is the NHL Senior Director of Player Safety. Brendan's brother, Brian Kitts, is also a co-founder and board president of You Can Play. And Brian joins us now from Denver, Colorado. Brian, thanks for sitting through this, but some mm-hmm. Important information there about how you can play came to be. Why was why was Luke Prokop's message so important yesterday?
3: You know, with Luke, I think that it is another step in uh, you know proving that you can play at an elite level uh, and be part of the LGBTQ community uh, without worrying that the league or your teammates are going to care about your orientation.
1: You talk about the whether or not they're going to care. Why is that important part of the conversation? You know, when people come out, there's all these conversations they want to have with their family, maybe or their parents or their siblings or friends, but that workspace and this is the NHL workspace is where you spend so much of your time. And so to know that people that you're being your true self is such an important part of it. But I'm I'm guessing that can be a pretty scary thought that that might be as big a part of the equation as maybe the personal connections with family.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what you can play has been trying to do uh, since we were founded is, you know, make the workplace, uh, including locker rooms and sports venues, um, places where you, you know, where your orientation is not the focus, Um, you know, instead it's your, your talent or what you can contribute to your sport or your game. And, you know, with sports, I think that there's an assumption that you're going to be honest with your teammates. Um, hiding your orientation is, is the exact opposite of that. And so I think that, you know, Luke's decision, you know, is a step that says I'm going to be honest with everybody uh, my teammates, uh, my league, my players association, and, you know, and fans.
0: Brian, there's going to be, and I know I haven't looked at our text messages, but I know there there will be one or two by the time we're finished this conversation that ask, "Oh, why do you even have to talk about this? This is this is not a news story." And on one hand, it's people who are comfort, uncomfortable with the topic, and on the other hand, it's people who feel as though, as a as a society, as a culture overall in North America, we've come to the point where this shouldn't be a big deal, but it still is. Why is that?
3: Yeah, it shouldn't be a big deal but it is. And, you know, I think that it's one of those, you know, it's an it's an issue that uh a lot of people just aren't comfortable with, but I think that the more people you know, uh you know, the more normal for lack of a better term it feels. And I think that when we started with you can play, uh there you know, there were plenty of guys in the NHL who had never even thought about LGBTQ issues and now they've had the chance to think about it. Now they've decided, you know, I think you saw the the reaction to, you know, Luke's story has been almost universally positive from the league and other teams. Um, that's important because it allows athletes to be great athletes without worrying about uh, what people are thinking of them.
1: Yeah, we saw different players speak out. Uh, National Predators, we had the Winnipeg Jets, tweet out that there's the support for him and that's so good to see and I think is that a crucial part of the equation moving forward to not just have the athletes be comfortable with their identity when they're coming out but their teammates say yeah good on you moving on we're good we're okay with this is that the next step in this
3: yeah absolutely um, you know we've wanted all along for coaches and general managers and the guys actually playing uh, playing the game with you to be the ones to say we we're absolutely happy to accept uh, a gay teammate, and you know at one point early on in you can play's life, uh, Brooks Orpik said that it's time for athletes for the stereotype of athletes being homophobic to end because we're we're not, and I think that this is a step in this. Um, and I think that it's also a little bit of a generational shift. You know, Luke is 19 years old, and so, you know, he he represents somebody who is currently playing or under contract and, you know, is willing to be confident enough in, you know, in his ability and, you know, his life to, you know, be completely who, who he is. And that's important as, you know, as a message to younger athletes as well.
0: You talk about generational divides and 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 Luke's, obviously, his courage here. And I, like I say, I wish, Brian, we didn't have to categorize mm-hmm. it that way, but it really is uh, for him to come out and to, to declare himself the way he has. Uh, it it, it may, leaves him open to criticism just for merely for coming out and saying what he's saying. But you mentioned something with regards to generation and some of the language that we used to use when we were growing up, the language of the locker room, the language of the play playground, if you like, words yep. that we use then freely, without thought that uh, most of us would never imagine using now.
3: Yeah, and that you know that's important because I think especially with LGBTQ people, you don't necessarily uh, you're not able to identify them. And so the guy that's one of your teammates, you don't know that he's gay, but you are you know you are unnecessarily and maybe unintentionally, Hurting him, and I think that we've probably lost a lot of great athletes who could have been terrific for their sport because they didn't want that harassment. You know, the same way that you described Brendan Burke's uh, situation at, at you know at the beginning of the segment. Um, things have changed, and I think they've changed fairly quickly. And I think that for somebody, you know, Luke is a great representative of you know, somebody willing to say, you know, my sport is more important than what people think about me, and here we go.
1: Is there a sport that is doing it well? I know I've read studies in the past about how female sports seem to be more embracing and more open and inclusive, and that there might be, you know, different sports that are that fall into those categories as well. Do we have any data behind that about, you know, ways to go forward and, and do things better based on some of the groups or sports that might be doing it well?
3: Yeah, we're getting there and I you know I think that the data has all, has always been, you know, not to be too geeky about it, uh bullying at the high school level and where it takes place and cafeterias and playgrounds are usually first with locker rooms coming in, you know, right behind it. And so, you know, changing that whether it's at the high school level or at the pro level, um you know, eliminating language and just letting people know that You know, you're probably offending somebody, Um, you know, that has, that's been something that's been important to you can play. And I think that, you know, with, with younger athletes, uh, that language is going away and, you know, that's an important step for sports.
0: Joining us from Denver this morning, Brian Kitts, co-founder and board president of the You Can Play Project. And Brian, before we let you go, just one more thing on language and just how things have changed over the years and how we can do better. How do do we... You know, we've managed to get rid of hazing for the most part, uh, something that was supposedly an integral part of team building. How do, how do we break down some of these other myths about things that need to remain in sport in order for players and those that play these games to, to be closer, to be tighter? How do, how do we bust those myths
3: you know, I think there are a couple of things I think that and I think we're right in the middle of that. Um the first is that teams and leagues and coaches and staff have to be willing to say these are the standards that we're going to set and we're not going to accept that language and we are going to focus on what you can contribute to the team regardless of your orientation or your race or your ethnicity or your religion. You know, at one time, all of those were discriminatory. Um, You know, the second thing is something that we saw yesterday. It's going to take, you know, a lot of men and women like Luke who are willing to say, you know, I'm absolutely confident in my abilities and, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say who I am and, you know, then continue to play the game.
0: Brian, thank you for this. I know you're a busy person and we very much appreciate uh, your time and your insight into this glad to do it the you can play project Uh, brian kitts co-founder and board president joining us
7: hey thanks for
8: listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think